Hey, welcome back to the It's All History podcast. I'm your average host, Joe. Before we get into today's podcast, I have finalized an upload schedule with new episodes coming out every Friday afternoon. Because I didn't do this at the end of the last episode, off podcast, I did the random theme spin and landed on sports. So sports will be the topic of today. Today we will be talking about the Sports Illustrated voted the number one most important sporting event of the 20th century and many consider the most dramatic underdog story in sports history. Today's episode is The Miracle on Ice. The Miracle on Ice was an Olympic ice hockey game that took place during the 1980 Winter Olympics held in Lake Placid, New York and was played between the United States and the Soviet Union. The 1980 Olympics was set to turn the thermostat on the Cold War even colder, with the Winter Games being hosted by the United States in Lake Placid and the Summer Games being held in Moscow, Russia that same year. Prior to the opening of the Winter Games, there was much concern with both U.S. Olympic athletes traveling to the USSR for the summer and having members of the USSR teams in the U.S. With the Cold War arguably at its height, U.S. President Jimmy Carter addressed the nation and stated he would be boycotting the Summer Olympics that year, and there was doubt the Soviets would come to play here. This statement from Carter comes in protest to the recent Soviet invasion of Afghanistan and its communist expansion now to the Middle East and Eastern Asia. Holding the games on home soil, members of the board of the U.S. Holding the games on home soil, Members of the board of USA Hockey, tasked with recruiting the coaches and players, turned to Minnesota University head coach Herb Brooks to be this year's bench boss. Brooks had a long-standing relationship with USA Hockey as both a coach and player. Brooks first joined Team USA as a player for the 1960 Olympic Games, but his time was short-lived as he would be the last player cut from the team just weeks before the start of the Games, where the U.S. would take home the gold medal. Herb would go on to play for Team USA again in the 64 and 68 Olympics, this time making the final roster both years. As head coach, Brooks had devised a plan that he was sure would get the U.S. gold that year. His plan? Recruit college kids from across the country. News of this plan only brought more sorrow for Americans. On July 15, 1979, President Jimmy Carter gave his famous Crisis in Confidence speech outlining that the U.S. had lost its sense of greatness. Coming into this year's games, the American public had lost its hope. With the loss of the Vietnam War, the Watergate scandal, inflation, and a gas crisis, the mood in America was nothing short of depressing. The Soviets had invaded Afghanistan, and then the Americans hit with another blow in November of 1979 with the Iranian hostage crisis, in which 50 people had been taken captive by Iran at the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. The Olympic Games was an attempt to rekinder positivity in the American people, but with a bunch of college kids with an average age of 22 making up our national team, many had already written them off. When selecting his team, Brooks had choices that were close to home, with a majority of the players being native Minnesotans or from Massachusetts. Of the 26 players selected, 12 were from Minnesota, and 9 of those 12 had played for Brooks at the University of Minnesota. With his team selected, 
Brooks would now put them through the most intense conditioning of their lives. He wanted them to hate him. He wanted their hatred for him to drive them to win. With this strenuous workouts, both on and off the ice, Brooks was developing a style of play that had not been seen before. He combined the fast skating and passing style of the European school, made famous by the Soviet team, and the physical hard-checking presence of the North American school. This adopted style was named the Weave. This extreme conditioning was created by Brooks to ensure his team would keep up with the ever-dominating Soviet team. Over the past two decades, the Soviets had won four back-to-back -back Olympic golds in 64, 68, 72, and 76, and had won gold in five of the last six Olympic Games. The U.S., on the other hand, had only placed in the medal rounds the last two decades in 1960, where they won gold, and in 1972, where they won silver. Prior to the start of the Games, Brooks had set up 61-game exhibition Prior to the start of the games, Brooks had set up a 61-game exhibition series where the team would travel both North America and Europe playing college, national, and professional teams, ending with a record of 42 wins, 16 losses, and 3 ties. The final game played in this exhibition series was held at Madison Square Garden three days before the opening ceremonies where the U.S. would drop a 10-3 loss against the Soviet Union. The U.S. was then seeded the number seven team of a 12-team pool. The Soviets seeded at number one. The first five... The first five games of the Olympics, the U.S. showed outstanding resilience against their opponents, finishing the round robin with a record of four wins, no losses, and one tie. Team USA opened the games with a one-to-one -one tie to Sweden, before going on to defeat the number two seeded Czechoslovakian team 7-3. They then went on to defeat Norway 5-1 and Romania 7-2. In their final game of the round robin tournament, Team USA would face off against West Germany. During the 1976 games, West Germany would knock the US out of the medal rounds, placing fourth at the end of the games. The US team got its vengeance though, defeating Germany 4-2. Going into the medals round, the U.S. would have to face the Soviet Union in a highly anticipated David and Goliath battle. This game would determine which nation would move on to the gold medal game. Coming into the medals round, the Soviets were undefeated, going 5-0-0 and outscoring their opponents 51-11. On February 22nd, the Americans and Soviets hit the ice for their biblical fight. The game was fast and hard-hitting. The Soviets would strike first, but by the end, the Americans had tied the game 2-2 at the end of the first period, with point seconds remaining. After a short Soviet protest of the goal, it was reviewed and deemed a legal goal. Upon the start of the second period, the Soviet head coach, Viktor Tikhonov, had replaced their star goalie, Vladislav Tretiak, considered one of the best goal considered one of the best goaltenders in the world, with backup Vladimir Mishkin. Once more, the game would be dominated with fast puck movement and heavy checking, with the Soviets getting the upper hand with a score of 3-2 by the end of the second. The third would see the U.S. tie the game with five minutes remaining in the game. USA captain... 
The third period would see the U.S. tie the game, and with five minutes remaining, USA captain Michael Ruzioni scores to put the Americans up 4-3. The last five minutes of the game was dominated by the Soviets, who were throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at the American netminder Jim Craig, who would not concede a goal, giving the performance of his life, stopping 39 of 42 shots faced. In the final five seconds of the game, the Americans cleared the puck out of their zone. A crowd of 10,000 spectators and millions more watching from home held a collective breath as the puck trickled out of the American zone, and American commentator Al Michaels famously shouts, Do you believe in miracles? Yes. The buzzer sounds, ending the game in a 4-3 victory for the U.S. over the Soviet Union. Two days later, the U.S. would go on to complete their fairy tale, defeating Finland 4-2 to win the gold medal at Lake Placid. Only one team had defeated the Soviets in an Olympic game since 1956, and that team was the 1960 Team USA, the same team Herb was cut from weeks prior to the games. For many, this was more than just a hockey game. It was a glimmer of hope and a major ideological victory in the Cold War. Years later, this story still inspires every young hockey player in America. On a cold Friday afternoon, on February 22, 1980, in Lake Placid, New York, an amateur American team defeated the powerhouse Soviets in a miracle on ice. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and learned something new today. As always, at the end of every episode, we turn to our spinner to see what aspect of history we'll be discussing next. And the topic for the next week will be... Famous Battles. Once again, thank you so much for listening. This has been your average host, Joe, and I'll see you next week with another... And I'll see you next week with another episode of It's All History.